So as an outline of where we'll go today, uh, I'm going to talk about a mixture of manifestations associated with inflammatory bowel disease itself, as well as manifestations that uh, are driven, um, potentially uh, caused, by some of the agents that we use in the treatment of inflammatory bowel disease. So we'll talk specifically about pyoderma, uh, as well as erythema nodosum, and then talk about cutaneous manifestations of paradoxical inflammation. And I would venture to guess that likely everyone in the room has seen some of this, these eczematous, psoriasiform skin eruptions in our patients on biologic medications that can be somewhat difficult to manage and also are unusual in etiology uh, in, in the paradoxical nature. And then we'll talk a little bit about skin cancer, which has really moved uh, to the forefront and has even now in the ACG preventive medicine guidelines as something that we should address on certain manifestations. And so to do this, I'm just going to present a series of cases. I'm a clinician. I see a lot of patients in clinic. And I, I feel like I've had to become something of a pseudodermatologist with all of the skin manifestations that we see. And so we'll talk through um, several uh, cases that I've seen. And so uh, I, I see a young lady uh, with, who has had severe inflammatory colonic Crohn's disease. And you'll see a theme here in that it really seems that the colonic inflammation is somewhat linked to some of these extraintestinal dermatologic manifestations. And she'd been maintained on methotrexate and really presented with uh, severe rectal pain and pus-like drainage. And so uh, she had this um, extremely painful, uh, sharply demarcated, uh, has a violaceous border, um, perianal lesion. And it, it, this is a, obviously an extraintestinal manifestation of inflammatory bowel disease. This is pyoderma. And when we look to the literature to see how frequent uh, these extraintestinal manifestations are, as you can see here, really arth arthritis, which we'll be talking about today as well, um, leads. Um, but certainly we do see a reasonable amount of skin manifestations, the erythema nodosum, the psoriasis, and pyoderma, albeit with uh, less frequency than some of the others. And when you look about whether these are actually linked to disease activity, as you can see here, um, some are, are more predominantly. So the arthritis that uh, will be discussed much more linked to inflammatory activity than some of the, the skin manifestations, uh, which can arise independently. And when you look by location, what you can see here is just look at the blue bar. We really, uh, for some reason, um, see much more uh, extraintestinal manifestations than those who have colonic inflammation. And that's what, what I've seen in my practice as well, um, that this seems to uh, be an association. And so what is pyoderma? Um, it really begins often as a pustule or a papule, and it rapidly breaks down into one of these burrowing, painful ulcers. And they have this characteristic, sharply demarcated border. Uh, typically, we do see it uh, quite frequently on the legs, but one area where I have seen it a great deal that I've found quite difficult to manage is peristomally. You can probably imagine that it's very difficult for an appliance to adhere, and the pressure from the appliance can actually drive some of this process. And so when we looked at the literature on pyoderma, um, this was a large uh, case series that demonstrated, um, you know, a lot of times these are younger individuals. There seems to be a female predominance. Um, the position is most often leg, but can be in a number of locations. And inflammatory bowel disease is the most common comorbidity associated with uh, pyoderma, although there are certainly, uh, certainly others. And when you look uh, specifically in IBD, the prevalence in, in a tertiary care center population is around 2%. Um, risk factors, again, it, it can be associated with active bowel inflammation, but it can be independent as well. Uh, the colon uh, and female gender. 
What are the therapeutic options? Uh, they're a large number, but frankly, the data on this are at the level of case reports. Certainly one thing I use quite commonly in my practice is intralesional steroid injections into the border of these lesions, and that can help a, a great deal, and it's, an, it's, a, it's particularly for those peristomal lesions, a good uh, technique. Um, or certainly, if needed, high-dose oral prednisone. One other uh, aspect I use in my practice, particularly for the peristomal, is some of the steroid nasal sprays um, can actually uh, really treat these lesions near the stoma without that mess that uh, kind of makes the bag not adhere. Um, the thiopurines, um, dapsone, um, cyclosporin, tacrolimus, all of these have been listed. But I'd like to focus on two in particular, the anti-TNF and actually some uh, newer data on ustekinumab. Anti-TNF agents probably have the highest level of data in terms of treatment of pyoderma. And that's due to this only randomized controlled trial um, for, in the IBD population. So this um, was a randomized, randomized controlled trial of infliximab. Um, the, some of these individuals had no IBD but the majority did, and they assessed at week two after open-label uh, infliximab, and then assessed again at week six. And as you can see here, with infliximab as compared to placebo, there was a much higher rate of improvement uh, in the pyoderma. And even, um, as you can see here, once these individuals then moved on, all of them moved on to open label, you were able to capture a response. Um, but one key thing is that it really seemed to be linked to the duration of the pyoderma. It's much better to get at this earlier. If the pyoderma was less than 12 weeks in duration, as you can see here, improvement was 93%. Um, so this is something that um, we probably should be trying to treat earlier rather than later uh, based on these data. Another thing that I've started to do in my practice, again based on case series level data, is ustekinumab seems to have a response in some of these neutrophilic dermatoses. This was a, a recent uh, study that was a multi, retrospective multicenter series in France, and they pulled out all of their patients on ustekinumab that they were initiating, and they looked at who had concurrent skin comorbidities, and these neutrophilic dermatoses, things like pyoderma or amicrobial pustulosis or sweets. Um, and in fact, ustekinumab in this series was being used in the range of third to eighth line therapy. And granted, a small number of these patients um, actually had concurrent pyoderma at initiation, but at week 16, there was a reasonable response, uh, and therefore this could be a consideration um, in terms of therapy. A second case, um, a young lady who has ulcerative colitis, um, maintained on 5-ASA, and she has new painful lesions on her lower extremities. At this point, she had no change in her bowel habits. And, of course, um, she came in with erythema nodosum. Many of my patients um, first think that this is spider bites. Uh, so if someone calls you with a new spider bite, it's worth, it's worth looking and seeing if, um, if this may actually be a manifestation of their IBD. An acute tender eruption of uh, plaques and nodules is usually on the extensor surfaces of the lower limbs. And when we look at the clinical factors that are associated with erythema nodosum, um, female gender again, colonic disease, um, previous inflammatory bowel disease surgery, and that actually this seems to track with some of the other manifestations that we'll be talking about today, eye and joint involvement. And it can be associated with a fairly high recurrence rate of up to 20%. There are additionally some genetic factors that can be associated with uh, erythema nodosum as well. And the treatment, um, the literature is not specific for the treatment specifically for the erythema nodosum, but essentially we're using disease-specific therapy. This responds quite well to corticosteroids. Um, there are case reports of dapsone and cyclosporin, kind of independent of the IBD. But generally, um, the therapies we use to target IBD itself are the therapies used for treatment.
And so case three, um, again, one of my patients with colonic inflammation, and she presented with a new onset um, scaly, itchy rash behind her ears and scalp. Her bowel movement frequency was very stable. Um, she'd been maintained on adalimumab for quite some time. And this uh, young lady was just tearful. Um, she actually ended up losing a great bit of her hair. It started out like this and then dramatically progressed. And so this is a uh, psoriasis, um, and it is an inflammatory systemic disorder with varying manifestations. And in about 10% of cases, it can be associated with other inflammatory conditions. But what was interesting for her, and again, I'd venture that many of you have seen this in your practice now, we're seeing more and more of it, is that she was actually on a biologic that is approved for the treatment of psoriasis, adalimumab, um, but in this case may actually be driving this process. And so as biologic use has increased over the past two decades, um, we're starting to see more of these paradoxical eruptions. We'll also be discussing um, others this morning. And the delay in the literature on these pathologies um, really was not seen in the initial clinical trials. And so this suggests either a low incidence um, or that the reactions could be potentially associated with prolonged or cumulative doses. An ongoing series are investigating that. And again, they're paradoxical because they occur in patients on biologics initiated with the intent to treat an inflammatory disorder, such as RA or inflammatory bowel disease. And so when you, this, there has been a, one nice series um, recently published in Annals that has looked at the prevalence of these anti-TNF-induced skin lesions. And the range is fairly broad, but fairly high, anywhere from 2 to 29%. And so the incidence is 5 per 100 person years. It's not limited to inflammatory bowel disease. It certainly occurs with other autoimmune-mediated conditions as well, um, patients with RA, uh, you know, other uh, uh, inflammatory disorders. And it can occur as early as one month into treatment, but it more commonly occurs during maintenance therapy. And interestingly, it, it often occurs when the bowel disease is quiescent. Your patient may actually be doing quite well from a GI standpoint on this therapy, which makes it all the more frustrating uh, if you do have to switch class. But again, the level of data we have is in the arena of retrospective cohort studies. And so this study had nearly 1,000 patients with inflammatory bowel disease initiating anti-TNF therapy. They had a median uh, duration of follow-up of three and a half years. And in terms of the skin manifestations they saw, um, they saw uh, about a third um, psoriasiform eczema. Um, another um, uh, one that they're seeing increased rates of is this palmoplantar pustulosis. That was about 5%. And then there, was about, there were about a quarter that were kind of nonspecific infections, perhaps tumors, uh, alopecia. Uh, but the lesions typically are on the flexural regions, um, have been seen in the genitalia and scalp, as with my patient. And so these, these what are the risk factors? Uh, you know, the reports are fairly mixed. There's a similar prevalence in this particular study um, for men and women. Other series have demonstrated a prevalence for women. Um, about a third of the patients with, without skin lesions developed uh, ANA, but it was about 47% of those with skin lesions. And so we do see this ANA increase in patients on biologics, um, but, it, but again, it increases even in those without uh, these paradoxical reactions. And some of the smaller series have, have thought that perhaps it's a cumulative dose, and so our levels of TNFs associated with these reactions. But this largest series looked at that, uh, and they tried to determine whether trough levels in patients with and without uh, skin lesions um, were different. And in fact, they found them to be similar. So this may not be a, a, dosing, um, uh, a dosing level issue. 
And so this was a, another recent study uh, that was published in APT that tried to look at what the incidence of this was rather than prevalence. And so this was a health insurance claims database study in Korea. And they found uh, through coding um, about 50,000 patients with inflammatory bowel disease over about a decade. And they used a comparison population um, with those on anti-TNF for at least six months, and then those treated with alternate agents, whether that be immunomodulators or something out of class. And they found the incidence of these psoriasiform lesions to be 36.8 per 10,000 in the anti-TNF group, um, with much lower in the comparison group. So the hazard ratio for development of these psoriasiform eruptions is about 2.4. And in this particular uh, study, men and younger groups seem to have a higher risk specifically for this palmo plantar um, pustulosis. And so, in the brief review of the literature I've just shown, lots of series, lots of retrospective data, but there, is, there seem to be some signals. Uh, it certainly seems to be more common in patients with Crohn's disease as compared to ulcerative colitis. Um, individuals with a higher BMI, um, perhaps more female um, smoking. What are the reduced risks? Uh, if you're on an immunomodulator, this does seem to be somewhat lower uh, if you're concurrently on a TNF, and again, uh, ulcerative colitis. And so what about response to therapy? So the vast majority do respond uh, to, with, to conservative, tr conservative treatment, kind of topical emollients, steroids, um, and or changes to systemic therapy. I have to say that I now know two potencies of topical corticosteroids that I use for the treatment of this that my dermatologists have told me. And, and I think if you get familiar with one um, or two, go with it because often this um, can be managed locally. Um, the, the response rates in separate cohorts has been up to about 90% um, for just using these, these topicals or potentially adding an immunomodulator. But there are a fraction that cannot stay on this, particularly, for example, my patient, when she started to lose all her hair, uh, just couldn't tolerate it anymore, of course. And so main indications, again, a, a terrible location, itching or pain, recurring symptoms, or sometimes they actually get associated arthralgias with the psoriasis. Um, and so what happens when they stop the TNF? Um, the majority do have a resolution of symptoms in one cohort uh, over a medium of about three months. But in many cases, um, a change to ustekinumab can be very effective. And in, in many series, that has an efficacy of up to 100% for treatment of these uh, psoriasiform eruptions. And so local therapies, immunomodulators, and if that's not effective, uh, consideration of ustekinumab. So one last case, um, this is a young man um, who I'd seen for quite some time. Uh, he had ileal stricturing Crohn's disease. Uh, he'd had a prior uh, ileocecal resection. And he's uh, one of my patients on azathioprine monotherapy, um, and he's done quite well. But he, at a pretty young age, presented with a scaly, red, non-painful rash on his nose. Um, and I looked at it and I said, I think you need to see a dermatologist, um, because this was a basal cell uh, carcinoma. And so about one in five Americans develop skin cancer, and it's a third of all cancers in the U.S. Um, both squamous cell and basal cell carcinoma fit under this umbrella. And there are a number of environmental risk factors, uh, certainly ultraviolet light, chemical exposures, but the one we see the most in our patients with inflammatory bowel disease, of course, is immunosuppression. And so what is the incidence of skin cancer? It's actually... Uh, somewhat high. Um, so when you look at this, this was a study we did using a large insurance-based uh, claims database throughout the U.S. And what we did is we categorized patients based on disease um, and a comparison cohort without inflammatory bowel disease. And you can see here the incidence um, per 100,000 is about seven to 800 in patients with inflammatory bowel disease, nearly twice that of what we see in an age-matched comparison cohort without 
And when you look specifically at the medications uh, that seem to drive this, this was a nested case control study we did, you can see that it seems to be the thiopurines that drive this effect in individuals um, uh, with uh, inflammatory bowel disease. But interestingly, when you look um, at combinations of therapy, as you can see here, there does appear to be a synergistic effect for non-melanoma skin cancer with the combined uh, thiopurine, and in this case, um, anti-TNF was the combined biologic. And so it is something we need to consider in our patients um, on these therapies. What do we think the mechanism is? And so it's interesting, azathioprine has actually been shown to selectively increase um, photosensitization, and it's actually to ultraviolet A light, uh, not ultraviolet B light. And so we think the, uh, the mechanism here is through six thiaguanine um, photoproducts. And this makes some sense in that the French and others have shown that once you um, are on a thiopurine over time and have an increased risk of skin cancer, when you stop it, it, it does reduce, but it doesn't reduce all the way to baseline, meaning that phototoxic damage has already occurred. But it also allows us an opportunity for prevention um, through broad-spectrum sunscreen. And the, the studies that have looked at this mechanism, it's actually an interesting technique. We and others have used something called minimal erythema dose testing, where you shine a light um, at various wavelengths pre and post initiation of the therapy. And what we showed is that individuals after initiation of azathioprine are much more sensitive um, to those wavelengths of light. And so again, um, sunscreen may be our friend. Melanoma, um, thankfully a much rarer cancer, um, but the rate has tripled over Caucasians in the past 20 years. And again, these risk factors, environmental certainly play a huge role, but immunosuppression. And so for quite some time, we've known that transplant patients seem to have an increased risk of melanoma uh, almost fourfold. And now we actually have data that, that the same is true uh, of individuals with inflammatory bowel disease. And so as you can see here, again, a large uh, administrative uh, data set study. And I just want to note that on the y-axis here, um, I, want you, I want you to make sure to emphasize that it's much rarer than non-melanoma skin cancer. In fact, we were looking at rates of seven to 800 per 100,000, but here you're looking at rates of 60 per 100,000, albeit it is higher than a comparison population. And so here the incidence rate ratio is about 1.5 for individuals with Crohn's disease for the development of melanoma. And when you look specifically at medications, again, we used 5-ASA here as kind of a negative control, no effect, but with biologics, uh, it seems to be the risk is driven by anti-TNF, with a, um, here, as you can see here, an odds ratio of about uh, 1.9. And so, let me uh, wrap up with my cases, what happened to them, and, and what I did uh, to try to help to resolve some of these cutaneous manifestations. And so for my young lady with perianal pyoderma, uh, she'd been on methotrexate for some time. I added the anti-TNF and I did do intralesional steroid injections. I, I found that many patients will tolerate these in clinic just with one of the numbing sprays. Um, certainly the perianal area can be more difficult than others from that perspective, but it may be something you could do just in your clinic um, uh, setting. And, and we discussed that she may require diversion uh, you know, based on the severity, but she actually did quite well with this combination approach. For erythema nodosum, I really at that point need to assess disease activity. The patient's bowel movement frequency had not uh, gone up, but at that point it would trigger me to see whether or not she had active inflammatory bowel disease in her bowel. Certainly a corticosteroid taper is reasonable for the treatment of erythema nodosum, and then adjusting the IBD therapy based on her uh, disease activity. 
For my third case, my young lady with the terrible um, psoriasis of her scalp, um, we tried all sorts of topicals because the adalimumab had been doing incredibly well for her bowel disease. And, and she also wanted to go down this route, but nothing really worked. She fit in that 10% that really did not have a response. Um, we did try adding an immunomodulator without benefit. But as soon as we, we changed to ustekinumab, the psoriasis just um, melted away. And so she did quite well with that alternate therapy. And finally, um, my, my gentleman with the non-melanoma skin cancer, he went to Mohs surgery. Um, we really counseled um, uh, sunscreen use, uh, screening skin examinations. He had done so well on azathioprine, he definitively wanted to stay on it uh, rather than uh, change agents. And so we really did intensified monitoring after that. And so hopefully this small series of cases has just set the stage for dermatologic practical um, considerations in clinic. And at this point, I'll turn it over to our next extra intestinal talk. Thank you.